everyone, and welcome to episode 469 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. That one's for you, Krim. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you missed Thank it. You. I was expecting your nice. response there. I'm I so was disappointed. Drinking. Okay, there, nice. there we go. There we <laughs> that go. was nice. <laughs> Uh, and uh, today we got a fun one. We're going to be talking about the most exciting cards for constructed, so non-commander cards, from Murders at Carla Manor. But before we get into all that, we got some co-hosts today, starting with the owner of MTD Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Good morning, Seth. Uh, did you enjoy the sloppiest weekend of football you've ever seen? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I <laughs> Oh, Are these at playoff least, teams? Least, What's going on? <laughs> at least the at least it wasn't the Bills losing this weekend. So whatever, <laughs> like I don't care. At least I'm not personally embarrassed. We got another co-host in Krim. Good morning, Krim. How are you? How was a uh, one One Piece? I heard it was kind of uh, a rough weekend in One Piece, Phil. So you know, I must have been this something about this weekend. Sloppiest football, and I also <laughs> it's it's One Piece has done a first for me. I have gone to my first ever actual worst event of my entire life. Uh, like this is the worst nationals, by the way. This is not like a like a regionals or like an F and M. This is the, your national Bandai card game fest, and it was the most poorly ran thing. It was eleven rounds, and we did, and it was supposed to start at nine. It started at noon, and it went. It, it was had so many repairings. Uh, I got a round one loss randomly for cards that I was supposed to get for free. And it's like, well, the only way you're getting it is if you get a round one loss because we're not dealing with that issue right now. And then, on, and it's like $200 in cards and mm. then some. And the best part, this is the humorous part. It's 11 rounds. It's, remember, for those that don't know, best. Uh, it's best of one, 35-minute rounds. And somehow, they managed to push till 11. There was an 11, like 11 o'clock but there were 11 rounds, but they cut the 11th round because the venue kicked everybody out. So that your standings at the end of 10th round were whatever it was. So tons of people were pissed because their standings were all messed up. Wow. That uh... high level play. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, when, yeah. when next time, you know, you make fun of a magic event or whatever, <laughs> like, you know, you, you reassemble a GP Vegas from the ground up. Just remember, <laughs> you know, you don't know what you have until it's gone. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that. Like after like 15 years, we still have these issues in Magic. At least, at least you're like, this is the first one piece. And I know Bandai has run other tournaments, but it Magic just... has been doing it for so long. And is that excusable still? Like 30th anniversary, we still can't like fire off like tournaments in a timely manner. Like I I don't know about this. <laughs> How do you go that long with best of one, though? That's the part that gets me. I would think a best around tournament would be snappy. I don't know how you managed to make that take all day. I, but. I, I read that the, the judges were not firm. The, the, the judges were very wishy-washy in like handing out yep. rulings. So like yep. people were slow playing or misplaying or whatever. And the judges were not like assertive so <laughs> in the it's, fixes. It's what happens when there is no in-house TO, right? Like, like th that's the problem. There's four different companies at play here. Oh, who judges it? Do they have? Are there one piece? They're judges separate at this point. There oh, are it's own separate. separate thing. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, well, one weekend okay. for all. Wait, 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 wait. But did you become the greatest pirate in the world, crew? Did you win uh, the trophy? <laughs> I, I. How about this? I won the value trophy. I opened the Chishigi <laughs> Championship, and that was good enough. Did you like? That, did you stick it out until round ten? That's my question. Oh Were no, I, I okay. dropped it round six, and I said, I, my opponent like dumpstered me. Like he, he, they played the sickest turn ever, and I, and I, and I wasn't even sad. I was just like, sweet release, I can leave. <laughs> like, and, and the, the worst part, it was punishment for everybody. If you kept winning, punishment. <laughs> yeah, you, you get got to keep playing. <laughs> I, I. 
I can't tell you how many times in it's like we'd go into two turns and it was already all right. Well, everybody stop playing repairings. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Wow. Oh, I remember that for the <laughs> old days of tournament magic. <laughs> the surprise Dude, I repairing. <laughs> I never had that in magic. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just me. I, I did, You don't know what you have till it's gone. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, anyway, we're not a One Piece podcast, at least yet. Today we're going to be talking magic. We're talking about the newest uh, in Constructed. Uh, we have some list of cards that we think can make an impact from standard all the way back through modern. Uh, we each kind of put in cards we liked and mashed them together and got some personal picks. So we're going to be talking about that all cast today. Before we get into it, though, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit's the easiest way to sell your magic cards. If you ever get tired of the hassles of buy listing, you can skip them with Card Conduit. With their curated service, you can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay a 5% service fee. And if you want to do a bit of work, you can use this sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just a 2% fee. Either way, you're going to get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once your order is processed. And you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic card. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And Let's talk some murders at Karlov Manor. And uh, Richard, you said something before we get into these cards uh, about this set that I thought was interesting. So we we're kind of talking precast, and uh, Krim mentioned something about how good Standard was. And Richard was kind of like, we don't even need Standard because like all these cards are playable in Modern. Do you think this is a above average Modern set, Richard? I was surprised because your list is very Modern heavy and you're like nine cards deep that you think you're going to see playing. I remember the days where you do like two cards and then we're like scraping around for like, maybe someone will play this someday. Is this like a abnormally strong modern set? I think it is. There, There's a lot. So there definitely is, but do you consider sideboard cards like modern changing? Uh, so there are a lot of sideboard cards and, but there are a lot of cards I think can straight up go into decks that I'm aware of. Uh, which is pretty good. And then, of course, I'm sure there's some broken something in here that no one has thought of that will, will turn, you know, a tier three deck into a tier one deck or, or something like that. But there are a lot of low cost, uh, lots of value, aggressive cards. Like, I, I don't know, like they, they have all the attributes needed to go into the older formats. So I, I am positive there will be an impact on modern somewhere. And that's why I'm saying, like, what's the point of playing standard? Like, if 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 every standard set shakes up modern, then I don't know. Like, I'm just gonna go play you modern, might, yeah. right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. We'll see how it actually turns out, but I, I have high hopes. I think a lot of these cards we'll see play, and there are some definite sideboard cards we see as well. So they, we'll see those as yeah. well. So, Krim, you're loving standard now. Uh, how good is this at for standard? Do you think is this gonna shake up the meta right now? We got what like domain number one, a bunch of mid range decks, still a lot of black decks, some mono red. You think this set's gonna gonna make a big impact on the standard meta? God, yes. This set looks sweet. Like I, I, I am fully. I'm the polar opposite of Richard. I am looking at this set as strictly just standard like anything else in modern i don't care it's probably getting like i don't know solituded anyways so the point here is like at least here i i think that this set has dropped things to also in pioneer as well um there's a lot going on and maybe maybe it shakes up pioneer enough to the point where it's a lot of fun as well uh but yeah this set's looking juicy for standard juicy and i'm yeah, talking at the is... uncommon level too there's a lot there's like powerhouses at the uncommon that was going to be my little shout out. Like uh, we sometimes complain about how expensive magic is, especially on arena in the wild card economy. This set 
out of the top 10 cards on our list, almost half of them are uncommons. That's a really sneaky way that wizards can like kind of make arena cheaper without actually lowering the cost of everything. Like the more playable cards that you can get with uncommon wild cards, the more accessible it's going to be. So I'm really hyped about just the overall power level of the lower rarity cards of this set is like really off the charts. But we better get into our actual cards. So how we're going to do this, we have a top 10-ish list of cards that we all kind of more or less agree on are going to be good and constructed. And then if we have some time we might sneak in a couple of personal choices along the way but Richard you got the list why don't you uh, guide us through our most exciting constructed cards from Murders of Karlov Manor all right uh, we're gonna start off with Breakout that is a gruel sorcery at two mana value so a green and a red look at the top six cards of your library you may reveal a creature card from among them if that card has mana value two or less you may put it onto the battlefield it gains haste until end of turn if you didn't Put the revealed card onto the battlefield, put it in your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. This is this is half of Coco, right? It's like half it of Coco. It really it is it's half of yeah. mini Coco. <laughs> it, it's a Kaka company. It's better than Coco, right? Because you can top deck this and haste something in. So I, I put this down for modern. Uh I think Zoo can play this. So Zoo has a critical mass of creatures. Uh, hasting in a Tarmogoyf. Hasting in whatever that 5-5 five, five domain thing with Trample is. Mm. Yep. <laughs> hasting in the, the fake Tarmogoyf. The 5-3 domain as well. Uh, there, you can even haste in a monkey with this. Uh, that, that, that's decent. Uh, but that, that's the serious answer. But the real answer is can we jun this up? What if you Blood Braid? into a breakout, into a Tarmogoyf, who's going to expect, like, nine damage of haste out of Jund? <laughs> does this bring black... I, does this bring back Blood Braid Elf into the meta? <laughs> I, I love the uh, answer to that. I love how Richard's brain thinks in Tarmogoyfs. He's like, well, Tarmogoyf, and then that's, like, the bad Tarmogoyf, and then we got the domain Tarmogoyf. <laughs> Everything's no, Tarmogoyf had haste? Look how cracked that would be. This is hasty Tarmogoyf. And you get a sorcery. So if you like, <laughs> you could have like turned one, fatal pushed, turn two, cracked a fetch, cast a breakout, and you can start slapping with the Tarmogoyf. Starts. Wow. So that's, this is really interesting to me because my question for this card was, is it actually good enough to play in a generic deck like John? Like we're getting Ragavans, Bowmasters, Tarmogoyfs. Because my first thought was, this seems like an absurd prowess card. Because this is like getting your prowess Ooh. creature while also triggering all your prowess creatures. So my first thought was like Monastery Swift Spears, uh, any of the good prowess threats, Dragon Rage Channelers, where you're like have a creature that's also triggering all your spells matter stuff. And I think that could work from standard all the way back to modern. There's prowess decks. The only awkward part is like, the colors are a little weird. Like a lot of prowesses, is it? Or like mono red. So you got to go into green. But I think the mana is good enough that you can make it work. But what do you think? Can you actually just jam this, Richard, and like Jundar something to grab your goifs? Is it actually worth playing? So, so Jund is very suspicious. But I think Zoo. I think Zoo is where Zoo. You're, you're actually thinking here. Because you have a critical mass of two drops. Uh, Jund, the cute thing you can do is break out a Void Walker if you're playing Void Walkers, and then you can use the ability instantly if you previously oh, Void Walker. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know if you can break it in any other way, but uh, my guess is Zoo will like this. Zoo will like, like, just We're imagine domain like a, zoo, right? Yeah, domain zoo. Yeah. Is there, is yeah. there a non domain zoo? I'm not aware of I guess, I, I guess, yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> 
But like a 5-5 five, five trampler coming out of nowhere, plus some tribal flames, uh, you know, Goyf. Goyf is good. Like, Goyf still hits, right? Like, Goyf is still a body. It does. Like, two, two mana, like, out of domain zoo now, like, when they untap, you can be taking, like, a billion damage, right? They could break out a, a Goyf to hit you and then tribal flames you right after. Like, th there's a lot of stuff that could happen. So I think domain zoo likes it. Now, whether that becomes a real What does it deck, cut? I don't think so. What does it cut though? Because like, so you have. The I'm assuming that probably. you have you have like a you have 16 cards you can hit essentially, right? But because you have the the Kavus, the 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 Brawler, the Nakatos, and the Monkey. But then the rest of the deck is still a bunch of burn spells. So are you cutting burn spells for this? Because you would have to like because like some of them play like Stubby D's and 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 or like you know just obviously the four Tribal Flames, the four Bolts. But then, what are I mean, you I think there? like. Reprieves might be a flex slot. Reprieves always looked weird in that deck to me. Like, are you, do you really want to be leaving up your mana in the domain, uh, in the domain zoo deck? So I think there's like enough flex slots. Maybe it's not a full four of. Like, maybe you sneak in yeah, like two you or play three four? copies. I think the the other interesting part of this card, we compared it to Coco a little bit, but I was doing some math on this, and you don't really need that many creatures. Like, if you have 14 hits in your deck, you're 81% to hit at least one, and actually 57% of the time, you'll have more than one, so you have some card selection. Coco, you gotta have, like, 30 hits in your deck to even consider 28, 29, 30. So you can play this with way fewer creatures and still consistently get value out of it. So that's one thing I really like about it, is I don't think you need to be as creature-heavy as you do in Coco decks. Fair. Fair. All right, breakout. Uh, here, here's a card that that Krim likes. Do you, do do we know what special. it is? It's an Azorius <laughs> two mana it, instant. Okay, Azorius. Oh, say it again. It's it counter again. target spell unless its controller pays three. If that spell is countered, exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. So what this does is that do, standard, Richard? Right? Standard, it's a given because a two mana counter spell is always good to go. Yeah. Does this yep. C play in older in Pioneer? Formats? Pioneer. Pioneer. Who white is, is already format. tier. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Standard, though, also works. So, yeah, standard is very good. <laughs> is this modern well, playable? Is my question to you? Because I'll, I'll, I'll uh. give you something that Mana Leak doesn't have. So, in modern, we have Mana Leak. No one plays it because we have counter spell, right? But. Yeah. This pitches the solitude. <laughs> this pitches the solitude. Does that change the equation? Plus it exiles, which is actually kind of relevant, but it's a weak, it's weaker than counterspell, right? Counterspell is just straight up counter target spell, but it pitches I mean, the solitude. Let's ask this. Is blue white good? That isn't like hammer time <laughs> in modern. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. I was missing no more lives. Exist. Was that the key piece? Because we have three fairy. You can play solitudes. I don't know. I don't think this is what blue white needed in modern. I know that blue white is like played in modern, sure, but is it good in modern? No. So, and I don't think this is what makes it good in modern. But I think it ahead. comes down to the to the exile mode. Like I think that's what would make it in modern. Like how relevant is it to be exiling the thing that you hit? I think the fact that counterspell exists, though, it makes it kind of a tough sell. I do like the synergy with being able to pitch the solitude, but if you look at a blue-white control deck, like, is that really that much of a concern? Like, you have Supreme Verdicts, Lightline Bindings, you got Kahira probably as your companion. Like, you have plenty of white cards, so it's a little upside, but I don't know if that's enough for me to, like, downgrade my counterspells into mana leaks, but if uh, there's a lot 
of graveyard shenanigans going on. Being able to permanently get rid of something is pretty relevant. I think the standard this is like the uh, the best format. Well, I think Pioneer is the best format because like Crim said, Blue White's already like one of the best decks in the format. And in Pioneer, there's not even literal mana leak. They're playing like sensors and change the equations and uh, <laughs> Dovin's vetoes and make disappears. They're playing Wait. make disappears with no creatures, no creatures. Yeah. And they're playing is, make is disappears. Mana like, that's not how, in Pioneer. No, mana leak doesn't we're exist in Pioneer. No, that was the hours. last time it was put in standard. Oh, M11 Hobbit. or something? Oh, M11. God. Like, yeah, we're talking Back decade to the ago. Days? Yeah, <laughs> yep. I remember Mana Leak like it was yesterday. No wonder Krim was so excited about this. Yeah, <laughs> like, so like play make, make these appear as a two mana mana, like a you pay two mana. Yeah, straight they up without even signing a shark typhoon any. token or something. Yeah. But yeah, they have no creatures in the deck. We're, so <laughs> we're out here building our own Mana Leak with using multiple parts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're comboing into a Mana Leak. Yeah, so that, I think that's control combo. So I think this is just easy four of in Pioneer Blue White. And probably what do you think in standard crim? So you're the you're the standard expert at the moment. You got make disappear. You now have this. You just play them all and hope to dodge cavern. Are you, how scared of no, cavern no. are you, Blue White? I'm not player? scared about cavern at all because I play the universal solvent. And you'll see more reasons why. So you all know what that is. I don't need to preach the good word of Void Ren. You already believe. I see you all out there. Um, but let's talk about how this card alone. It, I'm going to be replacing my make disappears. Uh, the these these are obviously going to be the auto include instead. I'm also now this card has just revitalized my sweat. I am now <laughs> fully on the standard train, and I am so fully into the standard train. I am going out to tournaments once this set comes out. So oh. this is this is everything I've wanted and it's so much fun and there's still counterplay to it just because there's cavern of souls so like people you, this isn't going to counter everything but my god does this card play well already if you look at what's going on in standard right you've got like there's a chance that even domain would play it um there's there's a slight chance but esper midrange could play it I see no reason not to play esper control now like I mean I've, I've been playing esper control since always and it's really good uh but like now more people will probably play esper control there's bant decks that like running around uh maybe even soldiers could play it uh hold on and that my dog is digging through the trash <laughs> so here's the here's the question I have uh Richard I want to ask him this too so I think Obviously, blue-white control in standard. This card's going to be great. What about in the more creature-heavy decks, though? Because if you look at Make Disappear right now, Soldiers is playing for Make Disappears because they can realistically sacrifice something and get the two copies. Uh, Krim, I was I was asking Richard, so blue-white control in standard, this is obviously an all-star. What about the more creature-heavy decks? Let's say you're playing Soldiers, a deck that yeah. normally plays for Make Disappears, or like some of the more mid-rangey creature-heavy like Esper decks that are playing a bunch of like Deep Cavern Bats and Denix and stuff. In those decks, do they stick with Make Disappear because getting two copies of it actually lets you like win a counter war or something? Or do you think this just like straight up in every deck replaces Make Disappear? I mean, as of right now, I think that you, if you're a creature heavy deck or you're like a deck that produces tons of tokens, I'd probably play Make Disappear. But the one thing that's nice here is that the exiling clause looks like it's going to be more relevant than ever um, with all the random stuff. 
Yeah, all the graveyard stuff that's going on right now, it's nice to just pick it off. Also, when you make disappear something like a tenacious corn dog, it doesn't feel good, right? Or tenacious underdog. <laughs> like this, true. this is just like cool. Or or maybe even a mosswood dread. Knight. It answers mosswood dread. Knight. Yeah, it, oh, it answers no. the, the rain is over. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean a counter spell answers it too. Okay, if you counter it, you can't cast it from exile. But <laughs> oh, I guess that's true. But, but it answers. But, uh, it you can't recur. You'll never it see it again. You'll never see it again, and that's good. So how, how, the, how good the, was Mandalik the first time around? Because oh, Richard, come on, you know this. I don't remember it because to me, Mandalik sucks. But this may be because of modern. So in modern, it's super easy to play around a Mandalik. Uh, in standard, if you're trying to class a Shouldred, like getting a second mana to play around Mandalik is kind of impossible. So like this is just a hard counter, right? Because we could play around Make Disappear. The two mana mode was not that oppressive, but three mana yeah. is a lot, right? Like getting a six for Shouldred acceptable getting to seven is kind of difficult so this yeah. is yep. very hard to play around right you can't really just sit around and make land drops or or can you? yeah this is this I, is way more of a this is a huge tempo loss if you wait till turn seven to play shielded right so and at that point then like the hard counters go online so like yeah like i don't know i mean i think this is huge if you don't remember mana leak back in standard it pushed so many things. It made so many things not playable. They had to be Titans, right? They had to be Titans. Well, that's because Snapcaster Although, was there, too. There was also did, Snapcaster, too. Yeah. Still, like, it was so strong that after Callblade and that era of standard, they just haven't printed Mana League in, yeah. in I guess, 10 I guess years. That's so that's how it was that strong right? that yeah. they stopped printing it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have not had... It's not in... There's no set with it we could play in Pioneer. That tells you how long okay, it's been. Okay, okay, So, So speaking of power creep, you know what we haven't gotten in a long time either? Hmm. Lightning Helix. Red ah, and a white. That's... Instant. Deal three damage to any target, and you gain three life. This is absurd. <laughs> this is an so absurd good. card to so be in good. standard. So it kind of matches that we have a mana leak as well, because they've clearly upped the power level that you know we're, we're expecting to see in standard. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I this mean, has been. This is such a powerhouse, right? Like this card. I mean, this could just be watching a bunch of boomers getting excited over old cards that may be bad. <laughs> who knows? But like, I doubt. No like, Helix is bad. Nah. I'm gonna quit magic. It's like, still Helix is bad. It's still a. It's still a four of in modern burn. Like even now, like 15 years after it's printed. So I think like if it's a four of in modern burn, it's got to be good enough for standard and pioneer, right? It's got to be. <laughs> How big pioneer are? I mean, if all the creatures are three fours in standard, you're sad. But they're not right. There's a lot of creatures that could be picked off by a lightning helix. So this card will be very good. The the question is, can you play Boros with a straight face? Right? Like are In are standard? the are the best colors colors that can support a lightning helix, or is it worth adding the the missing color to go into lightning helix? Is is really the question, right? So we have I some mean, Boros decks, right? Yeah, we, we have like the Boros yeah. token deck. We got the Bunny Corn deck. They're not you have Naya here. They're like tier two. There's yeah some Naya like adventure shenanigans going on. So there's enough places that I think this card will see play. And I think Mono Red is just splash white also. Yeah. Do you think it's worth it? Like, is it worth yeah. giving up a bit of consistency and maybe some Mishra's foundries? To have Lightning Helix in your Mono Red deck, the answer is probably yes, right? Oh yeah. Even I mean, standard agrees with you. <laughs> yeah or not sorry modern because like hitting something and gaining three life is like getting an extra turn or something in, in burn right like you're you're yep. essentially yeah. always just racing so the the three life is like very 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 important i've always called it a counter spell you've essentially countered their lightning strike right <laughs> you, you or or whatever yeah you've countered a lightning strike or a play with fire and then some 
right? And then you also got removal. It's pretty I, much cryptic coming. I've always called it a Heliosoft crypt. <laughs> See, when you phrase it that different way, it sounds incredibly worse. It's a Heliosoft that replaces itself for zero Vanda. <laughs> I mean, also, this is, I think, really huge for Pioneer because Boros Burn is a legit Pioneer deck, and its burn is pretty bad. And it's already splashing into white, so it gets access to like Boros Charm. But in Pioneer, they're like, wild slashing and lightning striking people so if those are the burn spells you're playing i'm pretty sure this is going to be a, a big upgrade there too this has also been 15 years or something since it's been standard, right <laughs> that, that was, feel like it's been that it, long it, it's but a I really a long time like, oh, yeah. ago we're pushing like 20 years it was like original ravnica we're yeah. almost 20 years god all right oh my Next. god <laughs> it's we like got doorkeeper thrall it's a two mana white creature it has flash it's a one two it's a thrall flying artifacts and creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger mm. such a good sideboard card this card is so good i i so <laughs> so we have many similar cards right we have like hush wing grift hush bringer uh strict proctor there's a bunch of cards that are in the two mana range that do something similar the thing I like about this is Flash. Like, it gives it a little bit of that opposition agent. You know how, like, so you run out your your uh, your Hushbringer. Your opponent sees it there. They're not going to play their ETB thing into it because they got to kill the Hushbringer first. Just like an opposition agent in Commander. This, though, you kind of always get that one value because you can flash it in in response to something and fizzle that one trigger. And I think that's a really big, a really big upgrade. Plus, it's on Artifacts, which is different than a lot of the past versions of this, which may be most relevant in Mod where it stops like the one rings protection trigger so your opponent one rings and you're just like oh, all right stifle the trigger like smash you to death like go for it draw the cards you want but you're dead now so i, I think cards overrated exactly what? really what? <laughs> so Richard. okay at least in the context of modern because it's like the most useless body you've ever seen. So yes, you stifle something but like you know what like Tashanda's tidebinder exists. You can stifle things. The problem is it's a 1-2 that doesn't kill anyone, and it doesn't have any inherent synergies. Like, it's not a cleric or a spirit or a soldier or something. It's a troll. So, like, yes, you flash it in, you stop their ETV. Maybe even get the one ring so that you get the one ring trigger, but you're going to die anyway because you still have a one ring. and They don't get the protection, but they're going to draw a million cards and you have a 1-2 flyer. So the problem is the body is just, like, horrendous. And I don't know, anytime I've played Hushbringer and those kind of effects, they, they've always been kind of useless because they're just like an irrelevant card. Like it, the, the body doesn't count for anything and you don't apply enough pressure and they'll just like get rid of it and do their ETB thing. So I, I don't really like it. It has flash. Maybe it has some play, but like I don't see what deck you would put this in in modern. Like there yeah, are what about like two? Do you see how it's a one-two, Richard? It doesn't it survives die Bowmaster. That, but it's it, also five bowmaster. If you cast, I think like I, I feel like you've lost if you've cast this, right? You spent two mana on a one on a one two essentially that does like I don't know. You know uh, how like the first my man Richard just has not played enough D and T. You just right, need some right. death and taxes let me, in your life. Okay, let me let me ask enough. you, Richard. So right right now in modern death and taxes, you usually play strict proctor in the sideboard. It's a one three flyer, but you can essentially pay two to get around it, stopping your ETB triggers. Would you play this over strict Proctor in your modern sideboard? Or do you think Proctor is just better? I mean, that's got, like, if that's the, like, what, what other synergy does Proctor have? I haven't seen a D&T list in, like, a million years. But if they're playing that, this has got to be better, right? 
I would think. But why would so, they just play right? Hushbringer I mean, though? Isn't Hushbringer better than Strict Proctor? There's got to be some uh, synergy or something. No. Right? I don't know what. It, maybe I'm missing it. Looking through the deck list. Is it non-symmetrical? Like maybe they're you're shutting down your opponents, but you get your triggers. Because how Strict do you? Factor is symmetrical because <laughs> people use it with. People use it with Lotus Field to co uh, counter their own Lotus Field trigger and keep it around, but I don't see that in the Death and Taxes decks. I think you're right. Like, I don't think this is a main deck format staple, but I think this is like the best version of the sideboard effect, right? So if you're in a meta where you need to worry about ETB triggers, I think this is the card that you play to stop it, especially if you care about ha having a body on the battlefield and don't want a Torpor Orb or whatever. So I think it serves a purpose. What do you think in standard, Grim? Sideboard card mostly? Uh, this is definitely a sideboard card in standard, and like this, it, it is solid. It's a sweet card. Uh, I think it, it's going to be fun to like play in some matchups, and I'm curious to see what comes out of the new set because that's going to be a big part of it. Right now, a lot of the things I think about are mostly just ways to shut down, like like I don't know, if, like Delny takes off or something like that. Right? There's there's lots of really cheap creatures that have some sweet ETBs that this is going to shut off. Uh, I mean, or, and just right. Now in standard, Deep Cavern Bat, number two creature yeah. in the format, Tidebinder, number four creature in the yep. format, Atroxa, number seven, Carnosaur, number eight, Laura, number nine, uh, Topiary Stomper, 11, Archangel Earth, 12. Even the current meta, there's a lot of just EVP yeah. triggers. God. The problem is it does this get like played with fire so slash good. cut down slash like, can you let it what? stick? But imagine flashing the thing in response to Atroxa. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Flash it in. Oh, oh it's so good. <laughs> so good. Just poo poo on them and end their day. Like this card <laughs> shuts off their like whole deck pretty much, right? Because okay, well I don't know about like the the angel. I don't think the angel does that. Does that no? It does trigger it, right? And it's the battle. ETB. Yeah, yeah it's an ETB. I want to see this. Oh, oh this my god, too good. Because here's the thing: Do you put four in your deck? So if, if you're playing against Atraxa, obviously if they Atraxa, you you play this, you win. But if you put four in your deck. So you actually have a reasonable chance of having it in your hand. Okay. What if you draw three of these? Like, you're actually going to lose if you play three of these and you shut off the triggers and they'll just beat you down with normal cards. But if you only put one or two, you may never draw it. So, like, that's the problem with these kind of cards. And, like, I'm Hushbringer has always been so disappointing to me. I've tried it so many times. Uh, and I don't, I don't know, but I'm curious if this will Hushbringer didn't have Flash. The Flash does bring it up a whole nother power level. It, it does. It does. Be but... Because... It's still a one two. It's it's like it's not even I, like a token. You, like <laughs> we're not even done talking about like the fact that like there's there's other things too, right? You still have bloodthirsty adversary, charming. There's enough cards in this format where this card will just hose them, and I think that's worthwhile. I think that your huge. opponent loses the trigger, but like you're playing one twos. Like you've also lost something, right? <laughs> have like, I that's though? The problem, right? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know, though. Feel people like play Deep Cavern Bat with a, yeah. like, all the time, like, and that's just a 1-1, one, one, and it gets a card out of your opponent's hand. So I think there's, like, there's precedent, right, for those small creatures being worth it. I'm I'm actually curious. The more I look yeah. at standard, the higher I get, because, like, number one's domain, the second most played deck right now is Rakdos. And you might think, oh, Rakdos, what does that care? But if you look at the deck list, Blood Tithe Harvester, Deep Cavern Bat, Geological Appraiser, Trumpeting Carnosaur, like, half their creatures are good because of their ETB triggers. So maybe this is more than even a sideboard card. I just wish I had a creature type that mattered. The Thrall thing is... Yeah. Kind of, if this was, like, a human or a soldier or, like, something with synergy, it would be so good. That was probably its biggest flaw, the fact that it's just a thrall. It it carry yep. it has flying. It can carry equipment. It can 
I don't know what it can do, but it has flying. That like that's the one thing it does have, right? So it has some evasion. Um, yeah, it can chip in there. It tries hard. It, it tries. That's <laughs> the thrall deck is happening. Okay, Arch Druid's charm, triple green. So green, 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 instant. Search your library for a creature or land card and reveal it. Put it onto the battlefield tapped if it's a land. Otherwise, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Put a plus one, plus one counter and target creature you control. It deals damage to, uh, equal to its power target creature you don't control. And then exile target, artifact, or enchantment. Oh, this this card is... play anywhere? So it's so overloaded, but I was actually thinking, and I'm like, who would actually play this in modern? I couldn't come up with an answer. Modern's tricky. Modern's a format where I struggle the most. Like, Tron is the most obvious answer, but I'm not sure Tron can cast this. You can't Tron has so many colorless lands. Yeah, like, so, even with you're the kind of single green sometimes. <laughs> Although, like... Uh, couldn't Tron, like, play Yavmaya? I wonder if Yavmaya takes up in popularity to make this more of a castable card. I am so but happy modern... if you spend a turn playing Yavmaya to cast your Archdruid's <laughs> Charm rather than Tron. Play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sylvan Scrying or Expedition Map. So I think that's a losing battle, putting in random cards so you can cast, like, essentially what is Sylvan Scrying, but more mana. I think the most obvious homes are really pioneer. Like I, you know, I'm skeptical of modern because of the mana cost. Standard, I think it's fine. It's three mana ramp, but it's like green, and green is not a very good color, and you don't have the best non basic lands to get. Pioneer though, mono green devotion, being able to tutor up Nykthos really big, uh, and then Lotus Field decks like Lotus Field combo. Getting Lotus Field is huge, and they often play like one Leer as their combo finisher or something, or even mono green often has like one Cityscape level or is there get out of jail free i gotta get rid of something card being able to tutor that up if you don't need to get a nick those or don't need to get the lotus field i think that flexibility is what makes it so i'm looking at this mostly as a pioneer card what do you think about standard grim like is this is this going to impress more than i think in standard i'd like to think so but the only home i can really see for it is domain because they can fix their mana pretty easily right so that that's the only reason why but otherwise it's still I think this is my commander player or maybe like my inner like modern player that would see this more more likely. But Richard's right. Like where what deck is going to want to play this in modern? Like, I don't I don't know either, because like I look at it there and Pioneer <laughs> is the green obvious. devotion. <laughs> you just my, exactly why Pioneer is the, yeah. the perfect home for it. Right. And so in reality, this is probably straight to Pioneer. Because that deck, you know, even though they what they lost Karn or something like that, it doesn't matter. They didn't lose Nykthos, which is their most problematic card. And this is going to be exactly what they want. And doesn't this get Nykthos? It could, right? It straight up just grabs Nykthos. Yeah, you get any land card and put it, uh, and put it in your hand. Or uh, if it's a land no, card. You put it into play. Yeah. It's even better, dude. And it's like before the one thing was like, you know, in Mo Pioneer, you can kind of get under Mono Green Devotion just by attacking them, beating them down. But they had very few interaction, but now they can actually fight. And so they're going to probably be able to beat your stuff up, blow up your artifact and enchantments. Like, this is such a good modal spell. Uh, I think Mono Green is going to continue to be a thing in Pioneer, unfortunately. So, And, yeah, I think the other, like, the other question is we focus so much on the land ramping part, which is really good. But it's also, like, Eladrami's call. It also answers the one ring. So maybe, like, I don't know. What about, like, the, the like, green-white combo deck in Modern, Richard, that's already playing an Eladrami, Eladrami's call to get, like, Heliod to combo with their Spike Feeder or whatever? What maybe is Eladrami? Like that? You mean 
Eldam- Hold on, what is the card? Edamame? Edamame. We've called it Edamame for so long. Yeah. I have no idea Ed- what the real one is. <laughs> yeah. Edamame's call. All right. Edamame. Whatever. It tutors up a creature. That one. It's a Tarmogoyf. It's like the Tarmogoyf that tutors. <laughs> it's a Tarmogoyf that tutors <laughs> But I think there might be more homes when you consider just the overall flexibility of the card. But I think Pioneer is my, my number one format for it. Like, it, I'm interested as a sideboard card. Like it, it fits so many slots. It's kind of like uh, what's that? That two mana exile an artifact or enchantment, and then for four mana you can exile anything. The the Golgari card. Oh, oh, oh yeah, Terra Thunder. Uh, Terra Thunder. That clears so many sideboard slots for you, right? Because you're like, wow, <laughs> right? Like this this does a little of everything. So that's what this does. In those green white decks, though, like the ramp mode is kind of irrelevant. So you're using the the tutor, the fight, or the exile. The fact that it hits the one ring, I think. Mm. is relevant so maybe yeah maybe it's actually some weird fair mid-range deck that plays this rather than like a ramp deck because like amulet can't play this right because they they have bounce lands that generate off color mana you can't hit triple green if tron is hitting triple green then i think i've won the game already so like (laughs) i i don't i don't know who else what rampy decks actually will play this but maybe a fair green deck using it as a flexible removal slot uh slash tutor uh, yeah. Any any world where Yogmoth plays this because Yogmoth is the one tier one green deck, and I don't think so. Right, this does kind of nothing for the deck. I was thinking about it, but I think you'd have to like uh, Yogmoth is already so good at finding Yogmoth. Are you gonna cut a Corda Calling or an Eldritch Evolution to play this? Which are the cards I think you'd have to cut, and I just don't think I think you'd rather just tutor Yog right to the battlefield than put it in your hand. So, and what land are you gonna get? Just like. A, a a random land you, like you no other land your yog, but you can use it to fight if you need because they they don't have much removal That's true. outside of grist and yog <sighs> or you can get rid of a one ring or something i don't know maybe maybe a sideboard maybe maybe it's worth it in the sideboard also if you have mana dorks that tap to add green it makes it a little easier although right now everyone's playing delighted halfling but if you got the ignoble hierarchs going on or whatever that helps a little bit to get to the triple green that's the biggest drawback of the card if this was like double green instead of triple i think a lot more decks would be able to play it in modern i mean archmage's charm saw play in modern right so if you want you can get the triple green but i don't so, funnily enough, like, all the top decks are green, actually. Like, Yogmoth, Rhinos, Amulet <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Titan, but none of them really want triple green. Uh, so, yeah, but we, we saw Archmage's Archmage Charm, which is triple blue. So, it is possible if you, if you really want to get there. Uh, next, speaking of blue, Intrude on the Mind. Five mana blue instant. Reveal the top five cards of your library and separate them into two piles. An opponent chooses one of those piles. Put that pile in your hand and the other in your graveyard. Create a zero, zero colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. Then put a plus one, plus one counter on it for each card put in your graveyard this way. (laughs) This is, so this This... is fact or fiction? How do the piles oh, work in factor it's fiction? It's so much okay, so, more than So that. it's actually reverse factor fiction. It's reverse yeah, factor is, fiction. I think that comparison actually hurts the card because I saw a lot of people in this was spoiled be like, oh, Steam Augury, reverse factor fiction. These cards suck. Really, it's like a flash mold drifter, I think. Like, I think you split this like 4-1 and yeah. then like either you're getting a 4-4 flyer in like a super anticipate or you're getting a 1-1 flyer and refilling your hand like a super mold drifter. So I think like uh, thinking about it as a factor fiction, 
I think is rough because you're not often or ever going to be able to make sure you get your best card. Your opponent's always going to be able to deny you that, which is part of the power of factor fiction is you split so and you get to choose. So the fact that your opponent's going to get to choose is going to make sure that you're never getting the one card that you want the most. But just on rate, isn't this card kind of absurd? Like even three, two split, like five, that, that's like a mold drifter with flash, right? You either get a three, three flyer and draw two or a two, two flyer and draw three. Like even doing that isn't that just like a very good card yeah i think this is just a body on top of that with like card advantage right like like you're yeah. so yeah like this this is exactly why i love it in this standard format uh like and it, it being instant is huge if this were sorcery this card would be hot garbage also it's always nice the one thing here is just like uh jay wong taught me in street fighter 6 it was let your opponent lose the game for themselves you are giving them the situation to miss like miss pick the wrong pile like you know pick the wrong pile anything like that will automatically always be great it's nice to know that you could put your opponent in a position to misplay with this too so on top of that you get a body uh there's this and then the the card advantage is huge so it's very simple very straightforward and i think this is a great rate right because like jace's ingenuity got played um whatever the five mana snow spell in cal time that you know with the snow mana got scry oh, as well yeah uh, that yeah. graven lore that got a little bit of play but jace's ingenuity was good this is just going to be sweet as well and I, I mean it's so it's such a simple card but also at the same time there's so much play to it when you cast this and that doesn't even include everything it does in standard. Like, so this one, maybe it could make it in Pioneer in some sort of like Torrential Gear Hulk style deck, maybe. Like, I could see instant. that being a home. But I think it's mostly a, a standard card for me. In standard, everything Crim said, I agree with. But also, there's so many graveyard mechanics in standard. This is a way to stock your graveyard. This is card advantage that doesn't trigger Shieldred, which is one of the biggest problems with just mass card draw spells in standard, is they're really risky if your opponent gets a Shieldred down. So I really like how this lines up in in standard in some sort of like control style deck it'll be right alongside that mana leak right like you can play full-on like drago control with this card i'm surprised wizards printed this <laughs> because Wait. this this gives you the perfect like end game for control right you just sit there yep. you're like you want to play something with mana leak nope okay intrude on the mind you're dead <laughs> right like like you like i don't know it's like the gear hulk battles like you can't let them just sit there with this I think people are going to be very salty. I don't think Cavern is enough to stop this, right? Because you're like, well, I play Cavern. Okay, I don't counter. I intrude the mind. I'm, I just draw three <laughs> and have a flyer. Uh, so overload. It stalks the graveyard for some reason. Like, I don't know why it has to be so overload. It could do just one of these modes and it would be sufficient. Like, what about like a five mana four, four flying fat flash with like surveil? Like, 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 how about that, right? Like, yeah. Instead of like, let's do everything here. And I don't know if uh, your opponent misplaying anything here. I, I feel you just scoop when you see this cast. You're like, Did you counter it? <laughs> nope. All right, we're done. <laughs> but the, so many cards nowadays are boosting, like, and like hating on control. So it's nice to see control get any kind of love at all. It's really what nice. is. What do you think about this compared to uh, Memory Deluge, Grim? Because that's like kind of the big similar-ish card. I imagine this was, before they canceled rotation, probably like kind of the replacement for Memory Deluge. How do you think that shakes out in standard? Like, do you play this instead of Memory Deluge? Do you try to play both of them, some mix of them? So Memory Deluge is nice. And don't get me wrong, I do love Memory Deluge and there's a Thalia out. But at the same time... I like that this gives me a body. This now means that, like, Memory Deluge, whatever. 
I have to sometimes cast an interaction spell, so I can't just memory deluge on turn four, right? While also getting more cards. This will allow me to not actually have to worry about that because I just throw a body in front of whatever you're swinging with and then also get cards. So this is this is huge. I think this might be better than Memory Deluge. Yes, it loses the flashback, but I'm a little bit concerned with the number of... Uh, like, I think there's going to be a big uptick in Graveyard Hate. So if there's a yes. big uptick in Graveyard Hate, Memory Deluge loses a lot of its value <laughs> if it's only a four-mana spell. Yeah. You lose flashback anyway, right? If people are hating yeah. on the graveyard, so... Exactly. This digs deeper, too, right? Like, if you're digging... Technically, four, yeah. Like, you can dig for Wrath and then do a 4-1 split. You're like, you want to give me the Wrath? Or you want to give me four <laughs> cards? Like, you're going to win if you give me four cards? Like, I, I don't know, right? Like, like it's a very can, uh, overloaded card. Yeah, it's it's a wild card. So good. All right. Ah, uh, yes. It's time for the Richard part of the podcast. Unyielding <laughs> Gatekeeper. <laughs> two mana, white. Elephant Pharaoh. It's a 3-2. <laughs> Disguise 2. When unyielding gatekeeper is turned face up, exile another target permanent. If you control it, return to the battlefield tapped. Otherwise, its controller creates a 2-2 white and blue detective creature <laughs> token. Straight hey, to Abzan. I love Straight it. Straight into Abzan midrange, baby. In so modern? Good. In modern. <laughs> Wait, modern. how? How does this even <laughs> make it into modern? I'm so curious how this makes it into modern. Richard, you not so hear about the Moss with Dread Knight meta? Gorilla 3 2 is good enough for modern. <laughs> it is so grindy. And the fact that, all right, let me reiterate in case you missed the last podcast because you were so disgusted by what we're talking about. So when you, when you, when you disguise it, it's a three mana 2 2 with Ward 2. So if your opponent yeah. wants to remove it, they spend one mana for removal, two for Ward. That's three mana. You're trading equal. Okay. So. It, it's it's actually very good for you if they try to remove it. If they don't remove it, you can flip it up to get rid of the one ring, uh, uh, amulet of vigor, right? Like a merc tide, like anything. Like it removes anything. And then if you need to be aggressive, so the the reason you don't load your deck with removal is sometimes you need to be aggressive, right? If you hold all removal and you're playing amulet titan, you're gonna die. So you just slap it down as a two mana three two and go to town, <laughs> right? <laughs> like like it is so good. You're going to see, you, this is the last piece I needed to make Mosswood Dread Knight Abzan. <laughs> All those four this, ones. This was it. It's happening. This was it. The elephant was what I needed. This was it. I guess. I want to see. They I would have to address the elephant in the room. I will say, I'm not I'm not as high on it in, for modern as Richard did. Just Richard really loves this card for modern. I can see drawing it in modern. I am really hyped about this card in standard, though. This is like a fine threat in standard. Also has a lot of synergies with the format. We're entering face down world now. This is like one of the best ways to cloak something and then flip it face up because you can if you target your morph with it, obviously you're going to turn your face down creature, blink it, it'll come back as a face up creature. Uh, so that has a lot of synergy there. It's got ETB trigger synergy. We we're just talking about the thrall shutting down all those ETBs. This is a way you can have removal that's also blinking your Carnosaur or whatever big ETB thing you have. Uh, plus there's like the potential for some sort of face down down deck in the format there's some payoffs for that so i really like this card for standard i look forward to seeing richard's modern list i i'm 
I don't know about the five zero. We'll see. Fingers. You I'm siege Rhino. I'm rooting for you. You, you siege Rhino. Ooh. Untapped. Oh, okay. You hit them. Now you're talking my and language. And then you blink the siege Rhino, baby. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait, I'm, in. Back? I'm in. Yes. It does come back. Yes. <laughs> it does. Yeah. If you blink your own thing, it comes back. Okay. I'm okay. I'm down. If we're siege Rhinoing, modern modern staple. I'm all in on the elephant then. It's good. <laughs> what? It's good. <laughs> like it's what? Good. The ward is crazy. The the ward is the what ward really helps. puts it on top because you can't really trade, right? Like you have onboard removal and they can't trade up with you, right? Like the, usually like the, the sad face days is you you morph something and they're like, I don't know, shock. And like you're yeah. just out a ton of mana value and like <laughs> nothing happened, right? Yeah. Or like you, you need to play aggressively and all you have is a 2-2, right? But this allows you to play it as an aggressive feature creature face up and if you want the value there's no way unless they literally solitude it or something that they can trade up with you in mana right so I, I guess void is it, <laughs> if they have like is a it, one mana uncounterable spell they could get around the ward i don't know what that would be in modern but i'm sure it exists somewhere <laughs> uh well i i have been uh, yeah, we, I have bad news for you, Richard, because of the next card on our list, actually. <laughs> That's bad news for the elephant. <laughs> say, All right. say it, say it. Long <laughs> read goodbye. It read it to me. Two mana black instant. This spell can't be countered. Destroy target creature or planeswalker with mana value three or less. Is this good for standard? I'm, I'm actually curious. We, we have a I lot mean, of conditional removal in standard with like varying clauses of like what they remove or not. Is mana value three or less good enough? So what makes this good enough is ward is becoming more and more popular and heavily played. So we're entering into face down ward world. But even on top of that, you got like Rafine, you got Graveyard Trespasser. There's a lot of cheap things that have ward on it. And this guarantees that you can snipe it for two mana. So not having to pay ward costs is what I think gives this card a roll. Plus there's, I mean, it still gets gigs or preacher schisms or whatever. What do you think, Krim? Like, is this a card that's mostly for ward or does this a scare you as a control player like is this targeting your your con counter spell decks what is what creature do i have that i care about <laughs> you're wandering oh, no. emperor token crim how, token? Are you no. yeah. how are you gonna no. win without that token huh gotcha. <laughs> like this okay so you know void ren right yeah void ren has a, 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 a like a you know a deputy you know a, a rookie in the office this is it right here. It's training. It's growing. It's going to become Voidrend eventually. <laughs> but in the meantime, you get this. And this is great. This is the rookie deputy on the squad. I love it. It's two mana, easy to cast. And like you had mentioned, in a world where Ward is running wild now, I, I don't have to care about that. And that's great. And on top of that, th just think about the sweet heaven that is this. We have a standard where I'm going to be able to play this and Voidren. So the deputy handles all the lower stuff. Voidren just answers anything else. This, th <laughs> That's just heaven sent, right? Like that's just, I, and I get to cast no more lies because it's Esper. Good God, this is a good game. Magic the Gathering. Do I love you, it? You know, you know what's funny? The first time I played Voidren. I misplayed it. So I, I thought I thought it exiled because Krim was going on about how it's the greatest removal spell ever. And I'm like, oh, just exiles, right? And then I'm like, wait a minute. I read the card. <laughs> it didn't do what I wanted. Uh, but I'm still Exile something? I, I think the ward, the ward like uh, like on Graveyard Trespasser is especially, like you can't get around that, right? You got to ditch a card no matter yeah. what. Yeah. So this gets you around that. It lets you trade equal or unless you trade up on the disguise tokens and all that, right? So you don't have to worry about that. I'm still worried about that three oh. mana value or less, though. 
Yeah, that is, <laughs> you're, you're like, that is a reason. It's not you're holding down. You're holding down children's, and you're hold, you know, there's like three good, long goodbyes in your hand. You're like, wow, this is unfortunate. Well, you just use the long goodbyes first. I think it's just like part of your removal suite. Like, I don't think this replaces all the other removal spells, but I think it definitely definitely has a important role to play in standard at a minimum. All right, I agree. Uh, oh, I got I got a good one here. Anne's rag, the quake mole. So this, we had a long discussion of whether this this god was worthy of the god title. It's a four mana eight four. It's a legendary mole god. When it becomes blocked, untap each creature you control. After this combat phase, there's additional combat, and then seven mana. It must be blocked each combat if able. Does this see a home? It needs to create a home, I think. Like, there, I don't know if there's a deck in Standard. So Modern, you're not going to play this. I don't think I would be shocked if this showed up in Modern. In Standard, I think it's going to have to create a deck. We have seen some Gruul decks, like, on the fringes of the format. They're not very good, but there are the pieces to make this deck work. We kind of talked about it last week on the podcast. Yeah. Hesus in with, like, Reckless Stormseeker or something. And you actually, like, kind of got a stew going. I could almost see actually. Pioneer, you don't have a maybe. stew, Seth. It's Quaker's Oats. If the deck happens, it has to be called Quaker's Oats, and you know that. And you, we uh, got you, some oatmeal going. Yeah, we're laying some oatmeal yeah. on people. <laughs> we're laying some oatmeal. What about Pioneer Crib? I noticed you mentioned Pioneer for this one. Do you think this has a shot in Pioneer slash Explorer? I do. I do think that in the Pioneer Explorer, there's definitely uh, you've seen some girl shells already, like be aggro. And so yep. I, I like those ones more in Pioneer because they felt way more aggressive. And at that point, those people are like they're more pressed to using like, you know, uh, their removal. There's also Bard class, things like that. Bard class dropping this down for two mana. That's a meatball. Mm -hmm. That's a meatball. That's an unreal meatball right there. <laughs> oh, I love so like like Bard class may seem like a meme, but like, dude, that deck pops off. Uh, when you have bard class. <laughs> so I think there are some girl shells and this will just nicely just fit on in there. And we have seen recently, yeah, like Gruul kind of uh, sort of be on the upswing, like non-boat Gruul decks. We've seen in the past, like the Gruul vehicle deck has been a top tier deck in Pioneer for a while now, playing Azekas Terry and stuff. But just recently, in the last like month or two, we've started to see more. There's a deck that like is showing up uh, on Moto that's playing like Hazarats. There's Gore Clan Rampagers. If you're playing a Gruul deck that's getting up to that kind of stuff, I feel like Molgod definitely serves, uh, it has a slot in that deck. Maybe you don't play four of them, but some number of them it just synergizes so well with the the cards that people are already playing in the deck it's so big i think you guys were fast to write it off in modern uh okay. in, in between my unyielding oh, okay. gate what? try so remember when we did the year end review of uh, 2023 and what did we learn that dies to doomblade is not a valid argument because like all the rest of your curve is must kill. By the time you get to the top of your curve, they could be out. And if it wins you the game and Shouldred would be one of the good examples of that. If I untap with Ansrag, I got to win, right? Like they either take eight to the face or my Tarmogoyfs attack twice. Like that, that's got to be good, right? Like, yes, if they unholy heat me, I might as well just quit modern. But if you untap with it, it's very good, right? So I, I you have to give it a couple games. You have to give it a couple leagues in Jun to see if it gets anywhere. Uh, I don't know how sauce. Maybe I'll put some team or battle rages in there because that's that's a card I've always wanted to make work with. There, the you go. Voice. there it is, finally. But 
like, like, like okay. Eldred dies to Doomblade, and we we know yeah. how false that is. Okay. Right? So so yeah, Andrag yeah. dies to Doomblade, but if it doesn't die to Doomblade, do you win? I feel you do. As an eight four, your Tarmogoyfs get two attacks in. Is this not crazy that this is the point Ooh. of the game where, like, you know, you used to think, like, nine drops, eight drops, all of that has to end the game. Now it's, like, four drops have to end yeah. the game, right? Like, it's the fi- the removal's so efficient that now four drops, Ooh. if you untap with it, they have to be game-ending. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true. You could play this in, like, the domain deck, even, and just, like, get in with all your big domain threat. Maybe maybe it's better than I think. Like, I, I, I don't know. the only sad one, right? Because there's nothing, like, a, yeah. no one plays flame slash or something right like all of the actual lightning bolts don't kill it it's only unholy heat that kills it and then other every other removal kills everything you own anyway if you get solituded you get so much more life to live another turn i i i wonder if this could bring back like the ponza shells remember like the gruel mid-range deck the like arbor elf utopia sprawl deck four extra mana on turn two you turn three this you could turn two this with that deck oh it's kind of gotten pushed out by Bowmasters a little bit sniping arbor elf but i wonder if this could bring it back it does seem like a good finisher in some sort of like gruel ponza mid-range style deck but lord if they answer your arbor elf you've got a clunky few next bat to play Bowmasters, yeah and then you do nothing yeah All right. Uh, The last card we want to talk about is Pick Your Poison. It's a single green. It's a sorcery. Choose one. Each opponent sacrifices an artifact. Each opponent sacrifices an enchantment. Each opponent sacrifices a creature with flying. Yo, is this green Sideboard all-star. Green (laughs) box. Box would be all three of them. You just choose one. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this... This is like an easy inclusion in the sideboard, right? If you think about modern in specific, answers a one ring, which is kind of huge. It answers Urza's saga is an enchantment, which is kind of huge. And it gets rid of Murktide or I don't know, Delver or whatever random janky fire opponent has. But like even just one ring, Urza saga, Murktide, it's like they built this to try to keep Modern Horizons 2 in check. This hits on like all the biggest cards that Modern Horizons do. I mean, again, I just don't know why they don't print a card that blows up Modern Horizon stuff. But all right, <laughs> like, no this this is this is interesting. This actually seems pretty darn good for. No, actually, is it though? Is it actually? Is it? Okay, okay, okay here, 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 here's here's where I'm coming from. Okay, so if you're uh, after hyper efficient, you have Nature's Claim, uh, which okay. is an artifact and enchantment. So the problem is, yes, if they play a one ring, you get to snipe it right with this. If they're playing Hammer Time, discard is dead, <laughs> right? So if you're playing Nature's Claim, it, that still has game, right? Or if you just play two mana, like Terra Sunders, whatever. So the problem is, like, this is good when your opponent has one artifact. But let's say they made a treasure along with their one ring. Like, you are so sad. <laughs> like, you're, you're, this doesn't do what you want anymore. So it's true. Do, is it worth eating into one of your your sideboard slots with this or do you just stick with nature's claim tear asunder I don't know, whatever whatever you were playing to deal with this anyway uh katakis or whatever right like I, I don't know so that that's why i'm not sure about this it on the surface seems great like if murktide i guess is meta <laughs> like number one then maybe you you just play this for for the heck of it but i don't know we have nature's claim we we have like targeted removal we have exile removal I think for the it- ring I think it comes down to the Murktide, right? Like, right now, Murktide's, like, 
the number three, four most played deck in the format on the metagame page. If you are scared of Murktide or some similar big flyer, then I think it's worth it over the nature's claims. If you're in a meta where you don't care about the big flyer, then probably just stick with the nature's claims over this. But uh, I think we are in that format. Murktide's been near the top of the format for a minute now. So I think the fact that this is just almost never going to be dead, right? If you play any of the best decks in the format, they're going to have one of those cards, like Urza Saga, Murktide, or the One Ring. And this just cleanly gets rid of any of them for one man. I think it's worth a couple sideboard slots. Grim, have you but, ever played okay, Saltai so, in Modern? <laughs> I I mean, yes. I, I have I have dabbled in Saltai. I, I feel Pick Your Poison, Snapcaster, Pick Your Poison is unbeatable for a, ha like a handful <laughs> of decks. Like, I, I think, like, Murktide cannot beat you, period. <laughs> if you have that, like Amulet Titan, you you snipe like their 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 Dryad thing and an Urza Saga or something. Like it's it's Ooh. disgusting. This is the hyper efficiency allows you to snipe ca Snapcaster back. I feel well, like I was saying, like, Amulet too. I, feel like I was saying that. earlier that I thought it was really good, but then as I sat and thought about, it, I'm like sitting here and reading it. Right, I'm just like, yes, it is very mana efficient, but. I still, especially if I'm Sultai, when I just tear asunder, when I just play anything else like that just answers everything and exiles it permanently, like you can win the game by turn three with pick your poison. <laughs> <laughs> They're like turn one Urza Saga. You're like pick your poison. <laughs> so yeah, you get you get the the one person that's like ah ha, ha, Urza Saga on turn one, right? Like you got him, but like there's turn one amulet. God, you're dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're like they're like the the surveil the dragon race channeler. Oh, you got delirium. It's gone, right? Murktide. You're, well, you're, you're still taking you're still taking the three, <laughs> right? Because it's sorcery speed. That's oh, if that's this true. were maybe if this were like instant speed, maybe I'd love it a little bit. I'd be even higher on it. But I, I don't know. Actually, as I look at it, we have such potent answers already in the sideboard, and I just don't see me replacing any of them with this. Even though, yes, the mana efficiency is huge on this. There's it's like so much binding, better. but you could snapcaster it. So the one downside to sacrificing is they get a choice, but if you make them sacrifice everything, yeah, <laughs> then just keep, it's just no keep longer snapping. a problem, right? <laughs> okay, but now you're you're what you're keeping the most narrow card and praying that like you get to do like I don't know, isn't it just better to tear asunder and then snapcaster tear asunder? It's but the same like, thing. Four mana to kill Murktide. That's four, four and six. Mana. That's a lot. Okay, it, does, yeah. it does answer Murktide, which is the nicest thing. It is the ni that that is huge. I'll admit that. Ah, uh, is that uh, enough to, if I had like, more I just, time, I'd be cooking with this. Krim, so, you should cook with this. <laughs> I, I just don't know if there's enough like 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 sideboard. That's the one thing with modern. <laughs> modern is so wide open, right? If I'm in salt, I'm just gonna use hard removal, right? Like like, like I, I I don't know. There's just so many things in modern. You have so few sideboard spots. Like, it's just like, can I actually afford to drop a slot for this? But I think this is part of why it's a good sideboard card because it's so flexible, right? Like, this is one sideboard slot that's One Ring, Saga, and Murktide when you might need to play like, oh, here's my thing to deal with uh, Saga in One Ring and here's my thing to deal with Murktide. This lets you do, uh, minimize the number of sideboard slots that you're dedicating to that, in theory, maybe. In theory, yes, but also remember that now they're, it's essentially an edict, right? So they choose what they sack. Yeah, there's going to be times when you get their Dragon Rage channeler and so they're Murktide and you still yeah. die. That, that is a thing that'll happen sometimes, but... Because, <laughs> you know, they're not going to just lead with Murktide, right? They're probably going to start with, like, you know, their, their, their other things, right? Their one drops. And you'll answer 
none of those. So you'll just lose to Raghavan. And then, and then like, oh, okay. This, yeah, this doesn't answer Raghavan. But if they make a treasure. Then you, oh, oh that'll, that'll kill. Yeah, this, this, needed to make, this needed to make a 1-1. One, one. If it made a 1-1 one, one, too, <laughs> that, that would be perfect. <laughs> if, this All right, were choose, so, if this were choose more, like two. That would choose be disgusting. Be, yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty. Choose all. Just choose all. Do them all. all. Yeah. One or all more. <laughs> so, so those are our top 10 cards from Murders of Carla Manor. We're running a little long, but I want to do super quick lightning round. No explanation. I know you each got a couple of cards left that didn't actually make it onto our top 10 list. Give me one more card you're excited about for Constructed. Again, just lightning mode. No big in-depth explanation. Richard, what, what did we miss from your list? Uh, you already got my my elephant. I'm gonna go with the uh, Kylox's Volstrider. It has a high crew cost of collect evidence six, but I'm gonna say in modern that doesn't matter. Uh, you're cycling like Lorian reveals and like basically the Lord of the Rings cycle thing like fixes everything. Uh, you could there's a lot of high mana value cards in your graveyard, so I think maybe you could do something with that card. Krim, lightning round, hit me. Deadly cover up. We've needed a, like, it's a sweeper, but it's a sweeper that can now also have an unmoored ego attached to it. Huge. Uh, I gotta go with Cranko's Buzz Crusher. I've been messing around with some uh, land destruction in Pioneer already, so it fits into that deck, which is a meme. It also is worded in a way where it doesn't target, so it snipes Lotus Field in Pioneer. I do like Which that. is pretty relevant, because it's really hard to get rid of a Lotus Field, so that's a card I'm, I'm actually really hyped out. Plus, it's a big flyer, but anyway... Those are our most exciting cards for Constructed from Murders at Karlov Manor. No fish mail this week because we're running long, but Richard, uh, where do people send those in uh, for next week? All right, so I'm to at MG Goldfish with the hashtag MG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 469 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have a lovely week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out. <laughs>